but you get deep into one of these neighborhoods in Fort Collins and you pull a piece of conduit out and you're a hero. Welcome to episode 408 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. This is Jess Delfiaco, Communications Manager here at the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. We have a two-part show today focused on Fort Collins, Colorado's municipal broadband network called Connection. In the first half of this episode, Christopher talks with Colin Garfield and Glenn Akins, who helped organize a campaign that pushed for municipal broadband in Fort Collins. And in the second half of the show, Christopher is joined by Aaron Shanley and Coleman Keene of Connection. Colin and Glenn tell Christopher about their efforts to build public support for municipal broadband in Fort Collins. While there were existing broadband providers in the city, residents believed in the value of competition and the need to invest in future-proof infrastructure. They voted to allow the city to build the network in 2017. Colin, who is already receiving service from Connection, talks a little bit about the installation process and how the city is working to make that process as smooth as possible as they continue expanding the network. Colin and Glenn also discuss how Comcast and CenturyLink are responding to the new competition and the community's enthusiasm for the network. Now here's Christopher talking with Glenn Akins and Colin Garfield from Fort Collins, Colorado. And stay tuned for his following conversation with Aaron Shanley and Coleman Keene. Welcome to another episode of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. This is Christopher Mitchell at the Institute for Local Self-Reliance in St. Paul, Minnesota, talking with two of my favorite people from Fort Collins. We've got Glenn Akins, who is uh, was on the technical side of a citizen-led campaign to push for municipal broadband, uh, and he also has a deep background with uh, cable networks. Welcome back to the show, Glenn. Hi, Chris. Thanks for, thanks for letting me be here today. And we also have Colin Garfield, who was the lead of the, the Citizen Campaign and was the founder of Broadband and Beers uh, and now is sitting in front of a uh, South Park background as we're talking on a crystal clear fiber connection that I'm drooling over. Welcome back, Colin. Hey, Chris. Pleasure to be here. So you guys, uh, let me start with uh, you, Colin. Just tell me the 30-second version of, of the, the Citizen Campaign and then Glenn, tell me what he forgot. <laughs> Um, so kind of rewinding, uh, we initially started this back in 2016 on the citizen committee for the city of Fort Collins and eventually, uh, Glenn and I ended up forming a small group to take on the campaign itself for the November, 2017 election in Fort Collins. And thankfully the voters passed that measure to allow the city of Fort Collins to actually get into the business of providing broadband. And here we are three years later and I actually have the service now. So things are amazing. Well, as a, as a slight dig at Glenn, for those of you who aren't aware and following this on the blogs, <laughs> Glenn is waiting for the service. Uh-huh. I keep seeing the, the equipment and the construction outside, but it's not here yet. So, Glenn, what else, uh, what else should we know about that campaign? I think, I think the, the biggest thing is that um, we ended up winning the campaign, 57 to 43. And this was after uh, we spent about $15,000 in our campaign and Comcast spent $901,000 against us. It's the biggest uh, ballot issue in Fort Collins history, even beating out some of the ballot issues on uh, fracking and the oil and gas industry. Yeah, and those were those were big ones. Those were record setters themselves, I'm sure. And there's so many things to to talk about, but I, I want to note that uh, Fort Collins is a city that we would not have considered as lacking in decent broadband. Uh, it is a large city, well north of the Denver metro, a uh, thriving city, um, covered in Comcast, uh, Doxis 3.1, I'm guessing. Very high quality cable network, as good as it gets, frankly. Um, and the CenturyLink is a competitor that has some fiber to the home, um, even did back in the, in the time of this campaign. 
Um, so let me let me ask you, Glenn, to start just briefly. Why was it important that Fort Collins get a better connection? I think um, a lot of the the need was for faster upstream speeds. You know, Comcast is using a DOCSIS 3.1 plant, but it's only DOCSIS 3.1 in the downstream. In the upstream, they're still only using DOCSIS 3.0 and have pretty limited bandwidth um, on the upstream. And then uh, CenturyLink had fiber, but they had no interest in expanding their fiber footprint within the city. And I think that as we've all become aware in the past uh, month or two, having an upstream, uh, a fast upstream connection is, uh, is is highly desirable and needed for the, the work at home situation that, that's now so common. Yes. And especially in a city like Fort Collins, I mean, it's, it's not like some other city that's just covered in beach or um, I was gonna say beach bums, but are ski bums and outdoor <laughs> enthusiasts. Fort Collins is a very, um, as a workforce that I think is much more um, like, um, what's it called? Knowledge workers than, than many places. So this is particularly relevant. Mm-hmm. May even have some beach bums who got lost. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's a long way home. <laughs> Colin, so as we're here now, more than three years later, uh, why why do you think it's still relevant? Um, I mean, for people who aren't aware, um, the city's been building out for a little while, less than a year. It's a large city. It's going to take some time. Um, but with the benefit of hindsight, why were you right all those years ago? We were so under the thumb of uh, really one provider. CenturyLink exists, but they're not much of a player, to, to be fair. And you know, our, our future was tied to one company in terms of uh, output, input, um, especially since we're a college city. We have a lot of uh, tech industry here. And so really their future was really influencing our future, and which to me just it's bad business. It's not fair to residents. It's not fair to the city itself. Um, and realized that uh, in order to elevate and to progress our city into the next several decades, we're going to need to really – uh, outfit our entire infrastructure all over again. And thankfully, um, we had the right place, pieces in play. Um, we, we own our electrical grid. We own all of our utilities. So we kind of had the perfect storm already built prior to the election. But uh, I think in order to get Fort Collins graduated to the next level, that's this is what it took. And Glenn, uh, do you have any, any additional reactions to, again, patting yourselves on the back, how you, you correctly foresaw that this was important and necessary? Not really, but you know, I, I'd worked from home for almost 20 years um, before I changed jobs uh, last year, and it, it it was pretty apparent back then that there were some things that were lacking that that um, Comcast could do better, and that possibly Fort Collins could do better itself. One of the things that I didn't note is that you have multiple patents in in cable networking, I guess. Um, and so I'm going to ask you a, a question, and, and I just want to make it clear that you're very qualified to answer this. <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll see. So Comcast is still installing uh, coaxial cable into new developments in the area. Is that surprising to you? It's very surprising to me. Um, I would think that they would be deploying fiber and just running RF over glass. You know, one of the big issues with with deploying uh, fiber for Comcast is it doesn't fit into their existing marketing strategies. It doesn't fit into their existing billing systems. So it's very difficult for them to do like a GPON uh you know, network or a, or an XG pond network or one of the one of the the you know telecommunity one of the one of the traditional like telephone company industry standards. They want to do DOCSIS 3.1 and using RF over glass, they could do DOCSIS 3.1 on fiber and then migrate to GPON at a later point in time. So I'm I'm still kind of shocked that they're putting coax in the ground versus uh, fiber and running RF over glass. And Colin, I'm I'm curious as someone who is using the fiber now has transitioned away from uh, Comcast. I'm guessing. 
you know, how, how is your life better? What, what am I going to look forward to in a few years when I finally get something similar? <laughs> uh, well, I'm streaming an absurd amount of things simultaneously, which is always exciting. Um, but that, you know, no downtimes, no issues with customer service. Um, the fact that I'm not paying my money to Philadelphia's headquarters, it's staying in Fort Collins, <laughs> which is a big deal to me as a, as a local champion. And, you know, and it's, to be fair, you know, not everyone is really going to stress full gig speed, um, no matter how hard they try. But the fact that I never have to worry about upload or download again is it's beautiful. And it's just really exciting to know that Glenn and I contributed so much to this, you know, multiple years ago. And now we're actually able to see, you know, to reify that dream and to actually see the result of it. And it's not just for Collins. It's Loveland, too. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so we, we have two communities in the northern Colorado area that we were able to uh, help lead and help guide them towards this solution. And it's pretty exciting to see construction going on both here where I live as well as in Loveland where I work. Do you bike over there to to check it out now? I've been, I I actually rode my bike down to Loveland for the first time um, about two or three weeks ago. And uh, it was pretty cool seeing uh, one of the neighborhoods where they're actually pulling conduit into the neighborhood now. That's great. So one of the things that I've really appreciated and that we'll link to is, uh, Glenn, you have done a very detailed explanation of everything that goes into building one of these networks. And we can't go through it all. You have a lot of pictures that are really helpful for people to get a sense of what's included. Was there anything there that surprised you or that you think is worth noting? The, the, the most fascinating thing for me as an engineer was uh, learning how the directional boring equipment worked. Because you, you see this giant machine that gets parked on your front lawn and they just start putting, you know, piece of pipe after piece of pipe after piece of pipe <laughs> down into this hole. And, you know, somewhere halfway around the block, um, this, this snake emerges from the ground. And it's like, well, it wasn't a straight shot and they must have hit some different soil trains that could steer the bit somehow. So how are they doing this? So I, I really went to great lengths to try to explain um, the whole entire drilling process and the, the, the horizontal boring in great detail. Um, so I, th- I think that was the biggest surprise was learning how this giant ditch witch machine worked. You you got to witness some of the areas in which it didn't work out very well, where it, it hit something. And I mean, that's it's not uncommon, I'm guessing, but it's a pain. Yeah, I think there have been two or three power outages. And one I, I personally experienced um, down at the end of my street. They uh, they hit a power line and knocked the power out in my neighborhood and maybe a surrounding neighborhood or two. And my poor little uh, beagle bone blackboard that was running for five years lost its uptime record. But. Oh, Wow. <laughs> You know, if that uptime record was important to you, maybe a longer UPS uh, <laughs> kind of system. <laughs> well, you know, the thing is we have almost 99, 98% um, underground utilities in this community. So honestly, the power hasn't gone off for over a decade, maybe 15 years. So I really didn't see the need for a UPS. Yeah, I can- <laughs> that makes sense. I actually, in uh, one of the con- podcasts we did with uh, about Four Collins, I talked with Wade Troxel, uh, mayor. Is he still the mayor or is he left? He's he still the mayor. Yeah. He's still the mayor. And it was amazing because I had I had said that I loved the decision that you had made that in Fort Collins that I um, I was there. And I, it took me a little while to realize one of the reasons that everything was so beautiful is that there was no aerial lines between me and the mountains. I could mm-hmm. just see it everywhere I went. And to learn that his father was one of the people that made that decision like 50 years years ago is, is remarkable and shows uh, a yeah. history of good leadership there. Yeah, it was a brilliant stroke that ended up paying dividends half a century later. It's it's uh, it's incredible. Yeah, we've been through multiple forest fires and multiple floods without the power going off during any of them. I'm guessing that develops some faith that the city knows what it's doing when it comes to infrastructure then. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. 
So Colin, I'm curious if there's anything about the install process that, that you found noteworthy, anything that may have taken you by surprise? Um, I don't think there's anything that took me by surprise, but it was such a great educational opportunity to to see the mechanical bits and the GUI bits of all of this. And similar to what that Glenn said, um, I don't have the in-depth background that he does, so this was much more new to me than it was to him. But um, just to see the step one of you know flagging the yards for all utilities up to the point of actually trenching and boring and um, you know mounting the the box under the wall and it's just the entire process to me was just such a great opportunity to learn to see it to be able to extend that knowledge to other residents as well uh, is, is also really important to us do you run um, cat 5e or cat 6 cabling around your house to take advantage of it or are you using some kind of advanced wi-fi so i uh did the unnecessary cat 7 just because i could and it's the same price <laughs> i didn't even know there was cat 7 this is, yeah, i guess i just so. i'm gonna admit to losing geek credibility <laughs> Um, so yeah, I just did a, just rewired Cat7 through probably half the house, um, including outside. And then I'm actually, I'm doing a beacon point with the Wi-Fi 6 currently. Did you uh, crimp your own cables then? No. <laughs> <laughs> Purchase some pre-crimps. I am not that capable. Oh, it's, it's not a matter of being capable. It's a matter of being patient. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Actually, I had Glenn come over one of the days, and uh, one of our original options for getting the house rewired, he, he kind of took a stab at it, and uh, you know, he came over and tried to help me do different parts of it, and that was kind of a, an interesting, fun activity for like an hour or two until we realized <laughs> it wasn't going to work out. So, <laughs> yeah, the um, Colin's home was constructed with Cat Five E um, between several of the rooms in the basement, and we uh, realized about halfway into the process that the Cat Five E ran uh, from his. Uh, from his uh, front room where the ONT was down to the basement, but there was not a piece of Cat 5e from the basement upstairs to where his office is located. Mm -hmm. And Colin didn't want me drilling any holes in his walls. I was more than willing to. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm I'm just thinking about the number of walls that I fixed up and closed back in with Cat 5e and just thinking Cat 7 probably would have made sense. So, uh... <laughs> hey, it's cheap now. <laughs> Colin, I, I want to ask you about um, any sort of you know, challenges that you've seen, things that are going to be improved upon, we hope. But the other question that popped into my head was I'm wondering, how much did you annoy the people who were installing your house? <laughs> um, okay, well, I'll start with the issues part. Um, I didn't see too many issues, to be fair. Um, there was one particular instance where um, they had to pull a late permit uh, in order to do the boring, the missile boring underneath the uh, right away. And so fortunately that ended up delaying my install by two weeks. Um, but we've since uh, contacted them and they've remedied that within their process to make sure that's addressed beforehand. So it doesn't actually create a delay. You know, it's, it's worth noting that that's a reminder that there's this sense that the city gets favorable treatment when it's building something, but this is a different department. The, mm -hmm. the permitting department doesn't give a free pass to others. It may in fact actually be more difficult <laughs> to work with out yeah. of a, yeah. um, a sense of rivalry in some ways. So that's a, it's an interesting story. Yeah. And I mean, to be fair though, a lot of it was really clean. Uh, the, one of the senior techs actually came out and had to correct something on my wall. I was initially mounted crooked um, and the gentleman came out about a week later to make sure it was fixed. And uh, he was just extremely pleasant to deal with. He had a ton of knowledge, um, really just excited to do the job. And, um, and it was it was a really positive experience to to not only work with the contractors, but also the, the full-time employees, too. 
And did they enjoy working with you as much as you did with them? <laughs> uh, I don't want to speak for them. Um, I know that Glenn and I are these extreme outliers in Fort Collins. You know, we're, it's it's not fair to. I don't think anyone else is flying the same boat as we are with this, but they were accommodating. I'll put it that way. <laughs> and I, I think a lot of the the drilling crews are. Um, pretty excited, you know, when they pull into a neighborhood and people come running out of their houses to say, hi, thanks for doing this. We can't wait till we can get service. And so I, th I think the drilling crews are really excited. I mean, I don't know what their normal jobs are like and or their normal, you know, contracts are like, but I imagine if you're putting in a piece of fiber along I-25 or a piece of condo along I-25, you're not going to have people coming out and wanting to know about the process or saying thank you. But you get deep into one of these neighborhoods in Fort Collins and you pull a piece of conduit out and you're a hero. Mm-hmm. That's great. I, I'm reminded of uh, I was visiting a utility in Tennessee and they were talking about their image in the community and they said that they're, they're very popular. And in some ways, they got the impression too popular because of the familiarity where someone would say, hey, it's great to see you You're doing some work on the street on the electric electrical line. Do you want a beer? <laughs> <laughs> you don't want uh, your crews to be getting that opportunity. Yeah. I'm curious what you've seen from either Comcast or CenturyLink in terms of a competitive response to the network. Oh, I can tell you what I've seen. So I'm a Comcast business class subscriber um, and have been for quite some time. And I, I get a letter, you know, like a, a flyer, not a flyer, but an actual envelope you have to open up and everything about once every two, three months now, just saying, hey, give us a call so we can reevaluate what your business needs are, um, which is kind of funny since it's just working from home. And then on the CenturyLink side of things, um, they really started uh, ramping up their spam emails until I unsubscribed. You know, come, you know, uh, give us a call and we'll come in and install, you know, last decade's DSL service at your house. Right. And we guarantee the same price, except maybe we'll raise it along the way. And your speeds may not, you know, go anywhere either. Um, the other thing I've seen from CenturyLink, though, is they did go into neighborhoods that still have uh, aerial connections and telephone poles, and they installed some aerial fiber. And one of the things that's remarkable about that is the technician's out on the pole and my buddy runs out and says, hey, when can I get service? And the technician said two weeks. And sure enough, two weeks later, service was available. So that was uh, pretty remarkable to see CenturyLink stepping up to that plate. Yeah, one of the things I've heard, um, and I think we've talked about this before with uh, Travis Carter here in Minneapolis, is you can see how many customers they have on the fiber then by just driving down the alleys and looking up in the air where that happens. And um, where they face competitive fiber, you don't often see a lot of uh, people <laughs> going with a CenturyLink option, it feels like. I think that's really true. I think a lot of the folks in Fort Collins that are going with CenturyLink DSL, they're only doing it out of spite for Comcast. Or it's their only option, <laughs> yeah. to be fair. Yeah. And so, Colin, have you seen anything from Comcast or CenturyLink on your part? Are they trying to woo you back? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, they're blanketing the entire city, and really, they have the overhead to do so. So um, for me personally, though, I probably received seven, eight flyers within two months of, you know, at one point it was like 300 megabits per second, and now it's like 400, and now we're going to offer you 500, and, you know, an iPhone, $250 credit, and all sorts of uh, bells and whistles, and it certainly was coincidence given that my install date was in February and they were blanketing my particular residence in the same month. I don't think they actually knew, but they're stepping up their game. To be fair, um, I think this is the first time I've seen them try before. Really, kudos to them for attempting to, to retain that market share. And But we've seen lots of blanketing all over. And actually, there was a point last summer, we, our biggest festival in Fort Collins, they actually purchased uh, exclusive rights to be the only ISP to provide um, support for that particular festival and actually locked connection out of it by throwing a ton of cash at it. <laughs> 
So that's just another instance as to what they're doing. It's not just the small game, you know, going in and individual houses, but they're actually uh, performing uh, larger citywide efforts as well. They've bought up all the uh, bus stop benches mm-hmm. and put, mm-hmm. you know, the best gigabit in the state or something to that effect on them. <laughs> just... Which is As technical parents. people, you just you have to enjoy that. <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, okay, so you maybe have a twenty-five, well, thirty-five megabit per second upstream, and you're limited to one terabyte of data, which is like two hours, eleven minutes, or something. You know, downloads before you're out of data for the month. Yeah, something that I find entertaining. I'm a Comcast customer, and I, um, I, my bill increased when my promotion ended, and I called them, and they actually gave me a what I would consider to be a good deal. I'm paying um, on the order of ninety dollars a month, getting a gigabit down, and. Uh, 35 megabits up, which is better than my previous 300 down and 10 up. And the funny thing is my speed tests on my downstream have actually gone down since then. And so I'm down to like 200 megabits a second, but my upstream is like 40 and I'm, I'll take that deal any day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm quite happy with that. So if you lived in Fort Collins, that bill would only be $70 a month. Yeah, just just rub it in, Glenn. See, <laughs> yeah. I actually want to see how we edit this. I went as well, that, that's far podcast as podcast rate. If you live got service from the city, it'd only be sixty bucks a month. Oh, even better. Yeah, thanks. Um, I went as far as actually renting Comcast router for one month just so I could turn it back into them and film it, which <laughs> you know, which is completely necessary. I think Colin uh, made his first TikTok video, and I made my first TikTok video doing it. Yeah, which was you know, I feel really old now, but uh, it was exciting to turn in their thirteen dollar a month. Uh, Oh, the router combo. <laughs> Just so I can get it on film. So I want to ask, uh, Glenn, I want to ask you about Starlink. Um, totally unrelated, but just because you're an engineer who's followed this sort of thing. Um, you know, I, I was down on low Earth orbit satellites and I um, made a claim that I thought that the, um, I think the one that you started replying to me on was um, was the likely um, expensive and difficult tracking that you would need on the ground in order to be able to receive Starlink signals. And you basically said, Hey, Chris, you don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) So so now you're my expert on Starlink. Oh boy! (laughs) (laughs) But I'm just, I'm I'm curious, like, uh, is this something um, as an independent engineer, um, when you hear the hype about it, what's your reaction? What are you expecting when it goes live? So I, I don't want to butcher this quote because I think this is the best quote that I've heard about the service. Starlink is for people who wish they could hate Comcast. You know, if you already have Comcast, <laughs> it's probably not going to be competitive, and it's probably not going to be what you're looking for. You know, they have a limited amount of bandwidth uh, per city, just because of the architecture, and it would be very easy for you know a, a single node in 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 a Comcast world to completely overwhelm the entire bandwidth for an entire city that's available in Spotlink. So where I think you're going to see Spotlink um, heaviest use and their their best market is going to be areas that otherwise can't get um, cable or fiber. If you're stuck on DSL out or if you're um, you know in a rural area where you're only uh, able to get Viasat or if you have a boat or a mobile home that's moving around, I think those are going to be the target markets. Rural areas, areas where you only get DSL and and mobile applications. And by mobile, I'm not talking like mobile phone. I'm talking someplace where you can install something about the size of a pizza box that has a clear view of the sky. And probably a good chunk of power. And a good chunk of power. It's very heavy on the DSP. Uh, That phased array antenna has got a a lot of signal processing to do to, to steer the beam towards the satellite on both the receive and transmit sides. So my one of the things I said recently to a reporter is I would expect someone who's a big stock trader, you know, in northern Wisconsin, it's going to be great for them. But if he has 100 neighbors in the county that all want it too, 
may not work for all of them. I mean, what do the numbers start to look like when you'll overwhelm that local availability, do you think? I, I'm not sure. They have five gigabits per second per spot beam, and they have four spot beams per satellite. So they have 20 gigabits per second available per satellite. Um, in contrast, um, a single GPON node has, what, two and a half gigabits per second available and uh, on the downstream, and, and a Comcast node has about two gigabits per second. And you know that that GPON served between 32 houses. That Comcast nodes probably shared between 100 to 500 houses. And now you have this uh, 20 gigabits on the satellite that's maybe shared over a city the size of Fort Collins that has 166,000 residents and 66,000 households. So I, I just don't think the the Starlink model works. Now, however, if you are a stock trader and you really absolutely need the 50% uh, uh, lower latency of uh, the speed of light in air versus the speed of light in a glass fiber, um, Starlink might be worth uh, paying a premium for versus the fiber connection. And I'm sure that, that Elon Musk has realized that, that there is a premium market there for people who really need ultra low latency, particularly the financial traders. Yeah, I think he may have been better off um, if he had launched it six months earlier because there's a lot of people who would like to be trading their stocks far <laughs> away from a big city right now. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It is it is much faster to go uh, in the air between you know New York and Chicago than it is over a piece of fiber. You know, that, that's for yes. Sure. There's um, the the book The Flash Boys uh, by Michael Lewis covers that mm -hmm. and discusses how they built a, a chain of microwave towers uh, and that was worth it because it shaved a few milliseconds off. You know, people always say that there's nothing faster than the speed of light, and while that's true. Um, speed of light does better in a vacuum than it does in air, and in air it does better than in glass. Yep. So these things add up over distances. And oddly enough, um, the speed of light in copper, I guess how fast the electrons are capable of propagating a signal in copper, and the speed of light in, in a piece of glass fiber are about the same, two-thirds the speed of light. So you really don't get a huge latency advantage in terms of the time on the wire between fiber and copper, but you do get some latency advantages in the processing electronics. Yeah, especially if you're going halfway around the earth. Yeah. Or even a quarter. Exactly. <laughs> you don't need all these amps and, and demodulate and remodulate every so often with fiber and like coax. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to pretend that I know how all that works. <laughs> <laughs> Khaled, I'm just curious if, um, you know, um, what's happening with broadband and beers? He said, knowing that both you and I have failed to coordinate in promoting it. <laughs> so I'm currently trying to get my trademark passed for it with the uh, patent office. Um, there's been a couple hangups that I'm trying to clear up, but I'm on the road to doing so. Um, I've been talking to a few smaller communities the last uh, three or four months um, just to kind of uh, introduce myself, they've recently passed an opt-out of SB 152, which is or Senate Bill 152 in, in Colorado, which uh, forbids uh, municipalities from engaging in a telecom business unless you opt out at voter level. Um, so a few smaller cities across the Front Range have recently opted out, and so we're having some conversations to kind of uh, to give them the ropes about how to get started, what conversation or the discussions they need to have with uh, local employees, politicians, and the community as well. So while a name broadband and beers is still trying to get through the trademark part and the whole ramp up part, we still are uh, offering discussion points with uh, members across different communities. 
Good deal. Well, it's been great talking with you too. I think we'll be checking in again soon. Um, this has uh, been a focus on, um, you know, just sort of the, the big changes, but I know that both of you have been chronicling this. Both of you take a serious ownership in this and, and we're going to talk again about some of the things um, that are been challenges and how, how you're working through them with uh, the city and with the utility. So I look forward to catching up again soon. Absolutely. Thank you, Chris. Absolutely. Thank you, Chris. That was Christopher talking with Colin Garfield and Glenn Akins. And now we're turning to a conversation with Coleman Keene, Broadband Executive Director for Connection, and Aaron Shanley, who is Connection's Broadband Marketing Manager. Aaron and Coleman talk about some of the things that make Connection different from other municipal networks, including that they face market competition from Comcast and CenturyLink, and that the network will be built entirely underground. Aaron and Coleman tell Christopher about the strong local support for the network and how they work to stay engaged with the community while being sensitive to the fact that some neighborhoods won't be connected right away. As the network expands, they hope to see new businesses and new residents moving into the city. Here's Christopher talking with Aaron Shanley and Coleman Keene of Connection. And now I'm joined by two folks from Connection, the Fort Collins Municipal Broadband Network. One of them I've had on the show a few times before, Coleman Keene, Broadband Executive Director. Welcome back. Uh, thank you. It's great to have you back, Coleman. Uh, you have given us the lowdown on Chattanooga several times over the years, I think. Uh, now we also have Aaron Shanley, the Broadband Marketing Manager for Connection. Welcome to the show. Thank you. So it's great to have both of you here. Um, I guess I would love to um, start off with just a little bit of the history that, that Coleman and I have. Um, you know, you spent a lot of years with Chattanooga because you're one of the first people I met in Chattanooga. Um, tell me, what is different now that you are doing this yourself? So one is that um, there's there are a lot of differences between uh, Fort Collins Connection and EPB in Chattanooga. Uh, one of the primaries is that EPB has an independent board of directors from the city. Uh, so Fort Collins connection is much more closely aligned with city government than the EPB uh, deployment was. So that I think it brings opportunities and challenges uh, with it. And you know, you know, I know that we have talked about this before with EPB that one of the you know key factors for success in these deployments is having your culture right as you start out. And one of the challenges that you always run into is that you've got a startup organization with your broadband uh, deployment, you know, basically launching inside of you know a big um, potentially bureaucratic utility and/or city government. So. Uh, those are some interesting things to work through. I'm I'm sure they are. Um, you know, Aaron, I'm curious about your background. What were you doing before you got hooked up with this crew? Well, prior to um, coming on board with Connection, I was working for a small wireless internet provider um, out of Inglewood, Colorado. Um, so they were providing um, wireless broadband to really rural areas, so areas where you could not get wired service in. Mm -hmm. And prior to that, um, I was working out in California for Cox Communications. So I was working for one of the big behemoths. So I, I like to say that I, I've worked for the little guy and I've worked for the big guy and it gave me a really good perspective coming into this this new role. It's kind of a you found Goldilocks I hope. <laughs> yes absolutely. I think one of the fascinating things about Connection is that you are one of the biggest municipal fiber networks moving forward into one of the more mature markets and so I'm I'm curious Coleman if you want to start what is different for Connection than it was for other municipal builds historically and certainly Chattanooga perhaps. 
Right. So kind of, as you mentioned, this is a very competitive marketplace. So, uh, you know, we're competing against Comcast and, and CenturyLink, you know, two, two large providers. Um, and then, you know, one of the key differences for uh, connection compared to Chattanooga is this is 100% underground build. So that brings its own challenges in trying to deploy, you know, a broadband system quickly and, you know, having to basically put it all below grade. So, you know, one, you know, that makes the city a beautiful place to be. But two, you know, you uh, you have a higher standard on what the aesthetics look like as you roll out your your network. And and we've gone actually a little bit further uh, with some of the things that we're trying to do compared to what uh, some of the competition and even some of our, our brother utilities have done is we're trying to make everything flush to grade. So we have no above ground pedestals or any of those type of things. Everything that we have is in a vault below grade uh, in our environment. So uh, our, our network is gonna look really nice from an aesthetic point of view once it's finally complete. Let me let me do a quick follow-up before I come back to ask you what's different, Aaron. Um, Coleman, I, I'm curious, has that kicked the cost up a lot and put more pressure on you then? Or um, has uh, are there other things going on in Fort Collins that allow you to keep the cost more reasonable? It does add more cost, and um, your, your cost can swing wildly depending on what you run into. Uh, two months ago, we ran into a neighborhood that was solid rock. Uh, so, you know, boring through that is, you know, way different than, you know, basically trying to go through some nice, you know, loamy soil. So there are challenges along those lines and you have to watch your costs closely. Uh, we are trying to make use of whatever available conduit we can find and trying to find, you know, the path of least resistance and getting our fiber into the ground. So we are watching that uh, diligently and trying to figure out the best ways to get it in. You know, we're looking at some alternate build methodologies, you know, uh, including using, you know, the sewer uh, pipes and, you know, micro trenching and those types of stuff, you know, uh, in limited areas. So we're basically trying to broaden our toolbox and, you know, keep an eye on where we're going and what our costs are running. And so, Aaron, I'm curious, what's different in, uh, <laughs> I was going to say 2020, and if you, <laughs> if you probably say, well, you know, we're in a pandemic, but <laughs> what else is different? <laughs> Well, you know, it's it's interesting. I mean, Fort Collins has such a, a passionate community and uh, really active residents and businesses. Um, so it's really making sure that a lot of communication is happening with the, the people who supported this initiative. Um, you know, you also have a very competitive marketplace. I mean, I'm sure as you're aware, um, almost a million dollars were spent to, to fight this initiative initially. So, you know, it's it's kind of you're finding a balance. We're trying to make sure that we're really addressing and acknowledging um, customer questions, concerns, interests. There's so much excitement. People really want to know. I mean, the biggest question I get on a daily basis, when's it coming to my neighborhood? When am I going to get it? And also, you know, balancing um, that information uh, with with ensuring that we're not giving away too much information to the competitors. Um, you know, Comcast and CenturyLink um, definitely have a big foothold in this community. Um, whether or not they're actually providing adequate service is another question, but, you know, they are there and they want to maintain that. So there's, there's finding that balance um, between making sure you have a really informed community, but also being very fiscally responsible and ensuring that um, from a competitive standpoint, you know, you're being very cautious and keeping things, at least in the initial stages, really um, close to the chest. 
Um, as we get into more of the community, we can certainly we are going to be able to share a lot more information with residents. Now, can you tell me a little bit more about that? Because I, I'm curious, you know, for instance, you have several neighborhoods that are already online. And is it also a challenge in terms of when you take out marketing, you know, in ways that aren't just door hangers and things like that? In part because I'm guessing people also will get annoyed if they're not going to get it for three years and they start to see billboards everywhere about it. <laughs> That's absolutely a really big problem from a marketing standpoint. Uh, one, I'm not allowed to do billboards. Um, we don't love billboards in Fort Collins. Oh uh, yes, of course. And I, you know, I, I should say <laughs> in a previous discussion a podcast with uh, Mayor Troxel, I, I did comment that I found it. I didn't notice the lack of utility poles for a while. Um, I didn't notice the lack of billboards, obviously, because I didn't mention that. But it is different. Fort Collins is just so much more beautiful than other beautiful places I've been. It's absolutely gorgeous. And they work really hard to maintain that. So yes, they're very limited billboards. And I think ideally, they'd love to get rid of them entirely. We have very few. But you know, it's it's one of those things where from a marketing standpoint, you know, you want to be able to really balance um, communicating out and creating that buzz and that excitement for the community at the same time, there is someone who's going to be last, which means two or three years until they get their service. So we want to be really cognizant and sensitive about, you know, marketing out to areas before they're ready. So it's a mix of really doing some fun community awareness, but at the same time, holding back in certain areas where we know right now those those neighborhoods aren't necessarily going to get service right away. And Coleman, you're not new to dealing with Comcast. I'm, I'm curious if there's any different challenges that you're facing now with Comcast that uh, you didn't deal with before. They're using the same toolbox, but Comcast is very much more engaged and more on top of it here than they were in Chattanooga. You know, they show up at every council meeting, all of those kind of things, talking to the mayor on a regular basis. They um, definitely have upped their game since EPB launched years ago. It's still the same thing, knocking on doors, giving gift cards, not the same type of, you know, you know, sales tactics. Uh, but overall, they're just much more focused. Yeah, I understand uh, iPhones are being distributed as well now, effectively. <laughs> well, they are leveraging their new wireless deployment uh, also to help, you know, give them an edge in that. So, yes, they're, they're, they're pulling everything out. So uh, are there any other challenges you can flag for us, particularly those that um, other communities that are trying to figure out how they might do something like this uh, should be aware of? Well, I will say that, um, you know, going, kind of going back to what I mentioned earlier, the, the cultural issues that you run into when you, you kind of do a startup inside of a larger organization. Uh, one thing that we have done is um, last year we actually brought on a position that we call our integrator. And it's to help bridge those cultural differences between the two organizations. So we actually have somebody that's that's their focused job right now is to help with that. Good. I you know I'm glad you've raised that twice. And I want to just say that this is the part. Actually, you may have heard it, Coleman. I did 70 minutes talking with Harold DePriest about Chattanooga, and we spent a lot of time talking about culture because. Uh, I do think that's way underappreciated for how th everything else fits together um, in the end. Yeah, and, and one of the things you really run into is, you know, um, startups have to be nimble, make fast decisions, sometimes with limited information. And, you know, your municipals and utilities just are not used to working in that kind of a mode. Basically, it um, brings some angst to them. And, and not, it's not necessarily unwarranted. But, you know, if you have to get something deployed and you're in a competitive marketplace, you have to be willing to take those risks and move forward faster. 
So Aaron, we've, we've talked a bit about some of the, the challenges um, already. I don't want to spend more time on that. Let me just ask you, what are you seeing in terms of uh, this network and how it's, um, you know, people are responding to it? Are, are more people coming into the city limits or real estate decisions being changed? What's happening? You know, we've definitely had realtors who have reached out to us, particularly uh, they're very excited about the connection and, and how that will help um, with their property, um, for sure. Um, you know, I think we've had a tremendous response. And for people who, you know, from a social media standpoint, uh, again, as I've kind of mentioned, people are super excited about this product. Um, you know, I think having additional choice is so important. Um, it's already impacting, you know, the local pricing and quality of service that the incumbents are providing people. You know, we you kind of look at it now and what's happening now and what people are needing now, but then what's going to be in three years, in five years, in 10 years. And, you know, our goal, absolutely, we want to be attracting new businesses to Fort Collins. Um, there's a lot of, you know, uh, apartments and new homes that are being built. And we're making sure that connections, you know, getting in there um, early on in the construction mm -hmm. phase so that it's ready and poised to go for the residents when they're available there. You know, I see just so much tremendous opportunity. We really do talk about that we're future-proofing Fort Collins, um, so that we're setting up for success now. But 10 years from now, 15 years from now, um, all we're going to have to do is sort of swap the latest technology, but the network will be there, and the network will be um, exactly the quality that people need. And, you know, and, and it's part of why we set up the network the way we did and the, its capabilities. You know, we're offering up to 10 gigabits now, but that's not even close to what our network can do. So in the future, we're really poised to support those residents and businesses coming into Fort Collins. Wonderful. I'm I'm curious if there's any difference in the in the legal environment. I mean, you and I have talked before about some of the restrictions Tennessee law puts, Colorado law puts a front end restriction, but I think mostly then lets you act like other businesses would. Um, what is it like in Colorado? You, you pretty much nailed it right there. So there is the you know you have to get your SB 152 overturned in order for a municipal to be able to go into the the, the broadband business. There are some differences uh, between how Fort Collins operates and how EBB operates, and it goes back to being that independent board. So when you're an independent board, you have a lot more control, like over purchasing decisions, how you do things, your legal structure, that kind of stuff. So once you're inside of a municipal, how you write your contracts, that type of stuff is a little different than if you were an independent board. But it's not substantially different. There's not, you know, there's no real, you know, gotchas there that you can't operate or can't move forward. Um, it just makes it a little bit easier if you are operating as an independent board. And then I just have to ask you this. Isn't it better being in a place that gets a lot of snow? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, you, you asked early on, what's the differences between uh, EPB and, and, and Fort Collins Connection? I will say being an underground system and having one of the worst winters that we've had uh, in Fort Collins history, frozen ground was something I've never had to deal with before. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Up here, I mean, um, we've had a couple of real late springs and, and kind of early winters and uh, we're in construction season, I think used to be eight or nine months and it's been six or seven. Some of these times it's, it can be tough. Yeah. Um, it primarily impacted our installs and, you know, I found out the magic of what a North facing house means. <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
And I and I may just say Chattanooga is lovely. And uh, if y'all if they would ever get any winter, I'd be spending a lot more time down there. But let me ask you, um, as we finish up, um, both um, you Coleman first, and then Aaron. You know, is there anything else? Like I always like to get a sense, in particular, you know, what really makes you enthusiastic about getting up and staying home <laughs> to go to work. <laughs> One thing I've learned about myself over the years is I do, I am happier when I feel like I'm doing a public good. And I absolutely feel that that broadband deployments for communities like Fort Collins is doing a public good. You know, as Aaron mentioned earlier, you know, you know this is future proofing the, the city. It's providing ubiquitous coverage for everybody. So, you know, there are no winners and losers. Everybody has the same access. Um, and I just think that's vital for our community and vital for our country long term. And Aaron? I mean, I definitely have to echo Coleman's sentiment. Um, you know, being a part of something where we are bringing fair and equitable internet to everyone in the city, regardless of where you live, regardless of how big your house is or how much money you make, you will get the same gigabit speed internet that everyone else does. And no tricks, no games. That to me is, is as a marketer and as someone who's worked in telecommunications, it's a dream because it, it's something that, you know, we're going to, we're giving back to the community. And, and I do really feel strongly and passionately about that. Great. Well, thank you both so much. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. That was Christopher talking with Aaron Shanley and Coleman Keene of Fort Collins Connection, preceded by a conversation with Glenn Akins and Colin Garfield. We have transcripts for this and other podcasts available at mininetworks.org slash broadbandbits. Email us at podcast at mininetworks.org with your ideas for the show. Follow Chris on Twitter. His handle is at communitynets. Follow mininetworks.org stories on Twitter. The handle is at mininetworks. Subscribe to this and the other podcasts from ILSR, Building Local Power, Local Energy Rules, and the Composting for Community podcast. You can access them anywhere you get your podcasts. You can catch the latest important research from all of our initiatives if you subscribe to our monthly newsletter at ILSR.org. While you're there, please take a moment to donate. Your support in any amount keeps us going. Thank you to Arnie Heesby for the song Warm Duck Shuffle, licensed through Creative Commons. This was episode 408 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.